0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Here to Edify. I am your host, Astrid, and this is episode 16. This episode is just me. I am just talking, chatting with y'all today. And what I'm gonna be focusing on is, have you ever considered where you are now in life? And if it happens to be somewhere where you're like, I never imagined I'd be here at this point, allowing that thought to result in man, If I didn't go through this, that, or the other, then I wouldn't be here. Maybe not, but I have a habit of doing that. But the Lord also has a habit of, yeah, getting me real quick to be like, not, let me not run off into this mental, yeah, this mental space of just not being appreciative of where I have been acknowledging that that is the very thing that has brought me to where I am now whether it is where I want to be or not i do think there is a level of of just accepting that the path that i have taken to arrive at this point was intentional like we all have freedom to choose one way or the other but it just does not behoove us to constantly think back and regret the paths that we have taken. Specifically, if it's like, it's not sin, you know, like you had an option to go uh, to A or B and you chose B, then there's really no need to regret or, or start thinking about, well, if I had chosen A, would it have, maybe, maybe it very well, life would look different be different but ultimately i have learned that the lord just wants me to rest uh rest in him for my future but also rest in him in regard to my past so in lieu of all that this episode is just going to be a short story time (laughs) specifically of my time in new york city but even more specifically how i got accepted into nyu so, let's get to it. So, I am going to plop us down. Senior year of college, 2015 probably a month before graduation and I was just really, really excited. I kind of laugh because there's a friend of mine, she always picks on me because in undergrad, I had a spreadsheet that I actually created my freshman year and it had every class I needed to graduate on time and every um, credit that I had to have in order to graduate on time. And so as we came close to the end i remember looking at that and just being like we did it like i am taking the final classes on this spreadsheet and now we're done like we're about to be finished so that <laughs> that's just a a good memory of some of my uh, anal ways back in the day but now to my application because i realized also in all of my excitement to end school i realized that i didn't really know what i wanted to do and if i didn't go to grad school i felt that i would very well just be stuck i didn't want to teach no those that's not the only option that comes with an english and african american studies major but at that time I didn't know what else I could do with it and yeah, I kind of felt optionless. And so grad school felt like the next best thing. So that's what I did. I looked up schools to apply to and did just that. The schools that I looked at seriously were three major schools, were the New School, NYU and Columbia University. All of them were in New York City because senior year of high school me really wanted to go to New York City. I honestly can't remember why I was so infatuated with New York City. But yeah, I wanted to go to school in New York City. I wanted to go to NYU specifically, but I ultimately didn't even end up applying. So it wasn't a matter of like I didn't get in. I just didn't even end up applying back then. And so when it came time for grad school, I was pretty convinced like this is where I'm going. I'm only going to apply to New York City schools and we're going to go from there. And I needed more than just one. So that's when I added the new school. And And I didn't know a ton about Columbia besides it being a prestigious university. But I was like, I'm going to try my hand at that as well. So the big thing for me, though, was the amount like it costs a lot of money too much money (laughs) to apply to these schools that could very well tell me no and not give me a refund for the application fee so that was that was a thing but then also I had to take my GRE and that also cost so I think these were significant factors in which schools I applied to, but then also how many I applied to. And I thought three was enough. I have just never really been that person that was like, I'm going to apply to 20 different schools. Honestly, a good chunk of that was probably because I could not. uh, didn't have the, the means to do that. But also, I was just kind of like, listen, either either we're going to get in or we're not. And so I, yeah, decided on those three. But ultimately, I ended up getting rid of Columbia university because their program was only 10 months. And I thought that was a little too short. I didn't want to feel rushed uh, to get this journalism degree. So I ended up saying no to that. And also it was going to save me a hundred dollars. I think I was stressing because NYU was a hundred dollar application fee and Columbia university was a hundred dollar application fee. And it just made more sense for me to say no to one and go with, uh, the other. So I applied to the new school and I applied to NYU and I actually got into the new school. I didn't know a ton about it. I believe that at the time that I applied, their journalism program was like very new. Um, I think it was either the first year, like I would be going in as the the first year of students or they had one year prior to, and they, were willing to give me a significant amount of money to attend. And so I was pretty excited about that. Like I said, I didn't know much about the school, but I knew what it was to get some money to help me out with going to school. And so that was exciting. But NYU, I'll also share the the funny way I found out. So I believe that that was the first date that I went on with a guy I was talking to at that point in time. And You know, we went out, we had our chicken and waffles, and we came back and we were sitting in his car talking. Obviously, there was a moment of me not focusing as hard as I should have. Please forgive me. But I picked up my phone, looked at my email, and I saw that I had an email from NYU. And when I opened it, I found out that I got in. And so I was freaking out. I was like, wait, for real? Like this, like me, I I got in here. And I just remember so badly wanting to just leave and call my mom. Like, I was turned off. I was turned off from the date. I was not thinking about him anymore. So horrible, right? So horrible of me. I'm sorry. But I was just like, I want to go and I want to talk to my mom and, like, scream with her that I got in here. And so I do remember ending up telling him, like, all right, thank you. Bye. See you later and calling my mom just being able to celebrate with her and one of my cousins specifically was like yo you're going to NYU like this is amazing and I think that my excitement was there but like hearing that like boost my excitement even more like no you you got in here like this is amazing take it we'll find a way to pay for it type thing and so I accepted and I thought that, you know, that that was it, like I accepted, I'll go to school, and so on and so forth. I should say that specifically, the program that I applied to at NYU was this dual program, where it was like journalism, but also you could choose another focus. And and one of those options was an African American Studies equivalent. And I was really excited about that. Because as I said, I was had. Majored in African-American studies and English, double majored in undergrad. And so the potential to take that to grad school and do the same, but journalism being a more focused career, um, yeah, I guess a more focused career goal was really appealing. So I was excited. And I, yeah, I really thought that that was it, that we were done, that that's all it would be. But I don't know, let's say maybe a week or two later, it was a little bit later, uh, I got a call while I was in one of my classes. And so I ended up just stepping out because I think I realized it was a New York number. And I stepped out, answered the phone, and it was the head of the department that I had applied to. And so she just she was just like, hi, I read your statement letter, and I really want you to go to NYU and I remember that really striking me, even in the moment, because I was like, thinking to myself, why? Like, why Why do you want me to come? Um, yeah, what? what is it about me? But anyways, that was neither here nor there. I just kind of, you know, kept listening to her. And she was like, listen, I really want you to come to NYU, but- my department does not have any more money to give. And I want you to be able to have some form of a scholarship. And so there is another department that is very similar. It's different, but it's very similar to ours. And they have money to give. And so what I can do is I can connect you with that department head, you can be a part of that department. But I will still consider you part of my department, like, Feel free to come to any events that we have. You can still take some classes in that African-American studies equivalent uh, uh, field. Like you can you can take classes in that. And basically she was just saying, we'll give you the best of both worlds. But I want you to have money that they can offer that we can't. And I. I definitely remember, like I said, just kind of being awestruck, I was thinking that maybe it would be bad news when I got the call because like I said, I had accepted it. I thought that was done. That's it. Was not expecting to hear anything from anyone else. But when that turned out to be the subject matter of the conversation, I was really baffled. I remember actually going and rereading my statement letter because I was like, I'm going to find out what it is that she saw in this statement letter that made her so badly want to fight for me. And i never saw to this day, like I, I read it over and I was like, okay, yeah, I mean, I wrote what I wrote, but wow, like, yeah, she obviously saw something and yeah, I, I like that, that was that I ended up getting a, I ended up getting an email from the department head of this new department that I would now be a part of. And she was just like, hey, yep, you know, we're we're going to accept you. All you have to do is send us over your GRE scores. And for whatever reason, I could not find my GRE scores. And so she told me, well, just send us – if you can't find the official document, just send me the the score. Send me the score. And I remember kind of laughing to myself because I'm like, this is crazy. I spent all this money to take the GRE, and I could have easily – Put a bunch of numbers in this email if I wanted to, I would not have done that, but I just remember that that really sticking out to me that like, okay, I could have not taken this at all, but I don't think it was an option. I think it was one of those mandatory things specifically for n y u and that yeah, that was also the crazy thing is I took it for n y u because the new school did not require it, so anyways, clearly, look at me, <laughs> clearly, I still have a beef with having to pay for something that wasn't that necessary. <laughs> but yes that's neither here nor there but that that for me was huge and i share this story because i often more so more so in the past i would say as of late i do believe i've gotten better but really being down and depressed and feeling away when i consider my student loan debt And the fact that about 80% of it is because of NYU. But while feeling that way, I also simultaneously was just not able to fully succumb to, I guess, the sadness that was brought on by, I have all this money I have to pay back because the Lord would remind me of that that story like that this woman fought for me like she did not know me from Adam or Eve but she fought for me to go to this school and that meant and still does mean a lot uh and is just extremely significant and so yeah I I I feel like the Lord just doesn't allow me to sulk about that decision to go to this private institution that that is expensive because I'm reminded that like he's he's in it, like he's not just in my present and my future, but he's also very much so in my past. And then I think further to just New York City as a whole. So yes, getting there, but also being sustained while I was there having people kind of come around me and really look out for me and and the interesting thing is it's it was not in a way where it was like oh, okay I have like a second mom or or a second family it was like one off individuals that you know maybe maybe did a simple act of kindness here there or the other but they were still significant in what I would consider a substantially difficult time in my life. So, as I said, like we see the, I, I'm gonna claim it to be like just the favor of, of being able to get into this institution and go to the school. But then the Lord knew, like he knew that, that that year and a half would have a huge impact on the woman that I am today. And those experiences, they were hard because, you know, growth is never, growth is never easy. I don't think, I don't think growth is ever easy, but there were people that kind of alleviated that pain, that they helped it to subside a little. And so some of the things that I look back on and, and, and kind of smile at is one, how I got an apartment. So I only had I want to say a week, maybe two to find an apartment because I spent that summer after graduating from undergrad in Uganda and I literally got back, what, I think it was August 8th of that year and then September, early September was when school started and so I had a very short amount of time to find an apartment and my mom and I went up to New York and it was literally a day trip. We did not even do, we didn't stay over and we looked at three apartments. The first one was utter trash. Like she was like, we're not even going in here. They opened the door, there was trash all in the apartment. She was like, no, turn around, we're leaving, nah. (laughs) And then the second apartment was decent. Uh, I think it was a little further from the New York City, New Jersey line, but it it was decent, but it didn't have a refrigerator. And so that was huge, you know, I gotta eat. And did not necessarily want to pay to for a whole uh, refrigerator when this was not going to be a permanent spot for me. And then the third apartment was the one that I actually ended up living in, and that was, yeah, that was that was nice. It was actually really close, walking distance from the bus stop. and I think it literally took me like if there was no traffic, it took me like ten minutes to get into the city. So it was not it was not bad at all. Uh, the space was nice. It was hardwood floors, you know, nice big room. Uh, it was bright. It was good. It was, it was like, I, yeah, I can do this. I can live here and be comfortable for the time that I have to be here for school. But little did I know that I would have to deal with mice. And this is even huge that I'm even mentioning this because when I was going through it, I was so embarrassed. Like I did not tell anyone that this is, this was something that I was dealing with or or, like I, like my mom knew, but I didn't tell like anyone in my cohort or anything. I actually was embarrassed. Like I, I, like I knew that I wasn't dirty. So these mice weren't coming from being dirty, but I, I don't know, like that was just new to me. Like I didn't, I didn't know what it was to have mice in your apartment. So I was just embarrassed and kind of because of that, I feel maybe suffered a little more than I had to if I would have just been more open because I feel like I had the stress of when I go home, I have to be worried about this, but then I'm also stressing about I want to do well in my program. And so that's just kind of a side note of, one of the things that I look back and I realized about myself is that I suffered in silence a lot because I felt like I had to. And the Lord has definitely used that when I look back to show me, hey, you can ask for help. You need to ask for help. Uh, you cannot do this on your own. And so in regard to those mice, I had an amazing neighbor that would come over and like get these mice for me. I remember one time I came home I had a class that ended at 10 p.m., and I probably made it home, uh, let's say 10:45, 11, or it may have even been 10:30. But all that to say, it was late, and I pulled back the curtain in my bathroom to get in the shower, and there was a mouse in my tub, and I flipped. And so I this yeah, this man is the real MVP, but even more so his wife for allowing him to come over and like get that and not looking at me crazy for knocking on his door at that time. Yeah, just a lot. But again, like I said, just like acts of kindness, just good people that more than they know, more than maybe I even realized in the moment were just huge blessings to me. And then there were the random men on the street. So my community that I lived in was largely Honduran. And they just assumed that I was Dominican. And I always found that funny because I'm like, let me tell you how a little bit of Spanish I know. Like, let me tell you how I failed in high school miserably. Um, But they were just, they were just super welcoming. Like it really felt like a community. I know I was not constantly talking to these people or going over to houses or anything like that. But I definitely felt known in that small community on that block. And that also was solace in the midst of a lot going on during that year and a half. And so yeah, like I said, there are some of the guys on the street that would always wave whenever I, you know, was walking, I would say hello, or one guy specifically, just super exuberant. I came back home from Christmas break that year. And I had never seen at this point, at that point, I had never seen that guy before, but he, I think I was coming back from the bus stop to home and he was just like, oh my goodness, where have you been? And I'm like, me, are you talking to me? Where have I been? Well, (laughs) I mean, it it was Christmas, so I did kind of leave. Y'all, I don't know this man. I don't know why I was answering. And he commenced to walk over, grab my face, and kiss my forehead. And I just remember being stunned. Like, I did not feel threatened. I didn't feel creeped out. I was just like, you kissed my forehead. And I don't know you. Ew. Why? (laughs) And so, yeah, I just look back and I laugh. And I'm also like why did you allow that to happen? Like, why did you not duck? Or like, swoop, no, sir. But anyways, I actually did end up seeing that man several times after that incident. And, you know, he would always wave and say hello. And I just remember him being like a a hefty man with this like, you know, just voice that was just like, I don't know, it would reverberate. Uh, Reverberate, that's the wrong word. But he, he was just he was a presence i remember him being a presence and just really sweet and then also the church that i attended there was also just amazing it was a very small little church but uh yeah it it was a it was a comforting space of familiar faces you know faces that became familiar and one woman specifically she was Guyanese and I just love the frankness. Like I remember right before I was about to move away and finish school, she was like, well, we need to get together. And I was like, okay, yeah, let's, let's do that. And she also lived in in Jersey and I went to visit her at her house. And then we went to grab food and she was like, well, here, there's an Indian restaurant down here. This whole strip is a lot of uh, Indian restaurants and, and food places and so on and so forth. And I was like, okay, am I driving? And she was like, well, how else are we going to get there? Are we going to walk? And <laughs> I just had to laugh to myself because, I mean, I didn't mind driving, but I didn't know, like, do I assume that you don't have a car? Do I assume you do? And she, she didn't say it. it like, this was not with an attitude. That was just her. That was her, her presence. That was how she communicated. And so I just remember laughing, but appreciating just the frankness. That came along with uh, who she was, and she was one of the women at the church that was always just super sweet. She would, she was one of the greeters, and she would give me a big hug uh, every Sunday. And so, why am I telling all of these stories? One, it ma- they make me smile. They make me smile. They make me remember the good in the midst of the hard. And so. I think for me, this is a literal stone of remembrance that I'm putting down, but also hopefully what what I want to relay is, I want to relay the fact that sometimes we have a habit of looking back on where we have come from and either romanticizing it and making it so much better than what it was, or I believe we do the opposite where we make it so much worse than what it actually was. And so when I think back on that moment, one, I see God's hand like so vividly. And there are several other things that I could get into, but I'll spare us both. (laughs) But his hand is just all over that time. But also just the significance of the impact that that period of time made in my life like I say that that was where I grew up like I really significantly grew up during that year and a half and that is just from having my first apartment that I'm living in by myself um, or lugging what felt like a thousand pound air conditioning unit up three flights of stairs and installing it in my window that, that was crazy. It was just a lot of things that I had to do alone. But then I also think back and I'm just like, maybe you didn't have to do all of that alone, but that was the stance that I took. And so I look back and I see, it's it's like a, it's, I don't want to use the word lesson, but it's like, I learned stuff in it. Like I learned stuff when I was physically in that time and space, but then I look back and I'm like, oh, there are things I didn't learn in that space, but I'm learning now as I look back and I'm like, oh, those are bad habits or those are things that you did then that were not successful and so don't do it now. And and I like, I know that's God because how else do we see when we are on paths of destruction? How else do we have eyes to see when we are forming habits that are not beneficial if not for the Lord opening our eyes? And so that, that's, that's my intent of even telling this story is a reminder to be grateful before I fix my mouth or my mind to complain or grumble. Really just pause and like contemplate, contemplate that thing and, 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 and it was not as bad as I often think of it to be. Like we we kind of like take the sum of the of the parts, you know, like, well, if, if there are more experience that are negative versus positive, then I'm making all of it negative. If there are more positive than negative, then I'm making all of it positive. And so I think my my prayer is to have a sober mindedness about my present and my future, but also my past. A sober-mindedness about my past where the Lord can allow me to pick out the good and the bad. Yeah, ultimately, as I said, this is just a stone of remembrance for me that the Lord has been with me. Even when I was not fully just aware of it, or aware of him and his presence in my life especially not like I am now he was still there so like the 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 days of our youth the days of our past are not wasted i realize that i am more equipped to glorify him when i am taking time to learn who he is and be aware of him and so i'll just i'll just leave it with this there was a lack of spiritual maturity in my, my New York City self. And yet the Lord is still the same. And so he, he was big, he was there, he was present. Even though I wasn't mature enough to even see the depths of it. But now... The Lord has matured me and and by the grace of God will continue to mature me. But at this point, that time is still blessing me because it is a stone of remembrance. Yes, of what I have come through, but ultimately like that God has not changed. Like my limited understanding of God doesn't doesn't change the bigness of him. God is God is the same. He is the same. It is me who changes. It is me who needs to change. It is me that needs to be transformed from one degree of glory to the next. But he is the same. And as I am transformed, I am able to to see myself in light of him. And I I believe that like yeah, like we we see how big he is. Like we, we like he he almost seems like he grows because we see more of him. But but he's he's not growing. He's the same. He is consistent. And that is also a thing that blows my mind is that the Lord is consistent. He does not have to change. I am the one that needs changing. Um, but his. His. Not changing comforts me in a way that me not changing terrifies me. And so I find joy in the fact that he is the same and he is changing me to look more like him. And when I look back at my past, yeah, I'm just like constantly reminded, You be thankful, be thankful because those are transforming you to glory moments. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's it. Just, yeah, pause before you grumble, pause before you complain. And I'm speaking to you, but I'm really speaking to myself. Um, But yeah, that's it. There you have it. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of Here to Edify. New episodes drop every Wednesday and can be found wherever you listen. And as always, I hope to catch you listening next time.